it's so funny how it really isn't a problem when sports athletes are wearing these MAGA hats and support Trump and make conservative talking points. But when it comes to black athletes like Colin Kaepernick, it's you need to stand up and respect the flag. When it comes to LeBron James and Kevin Durant, it's you don't know what you're talking about, shut up and dribble. This is episode number two with Will Davis, political science and journalism graduate from Hofstra University. Will has been very outspoken regarding the politically charged times we face as a nation today and how sports are affected. Today we'll go over various issues such as top college basketball prospect, McCord Maker committing to a historically black college over schools like UCLA, the NFL incorporating the Negro National Anthem before games, and whether the NFL and NBA really have their players' best interests in mind. Welcome to Beyond the Lines. My name is Felipe Fontes, a former athlete turned sports journalist who hopes to shine a light on issues from an athlete's perspective, one that's often overlooked. Each week we'll attack a theme with guests succeeding in a variety of sectors in today's world, from politics to business, all of which may have some type of connection with sports. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's dive in. Will Davis, welcome to Beyond the Lines, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, Felipe. I'm excited about today. You know, we're going to talk about a lot. The kind of state of the country right now is uh, very politically charged, obviously. And there's a lot of correlations, affiliations with sports in this politically charged times. And I think your background is why I'm very excited to do this. Uh, You have a lot of insightful input to give. Now, I I mentioned that, uh, your background and everything. If you could give a quick uh, run through of of, of that. Well, first off, again, I want to thank you for having me on. Your own podcast. I appreciate you doing this, especially on a topic like this. You don't often see us talk about race and and sports. So I applaud you for um, taking this on and giving a platform to to such important topics. Um, Part of my (laughs) background, I appreciate that, as you know. But um, part of my background, I am uh, just graduated from Hosh University, double major in journalism and political science. Um, I've had experience in both journalism and um, political science. I interned for four st- semesters at MSNBC with two different shows. The first show um, with Alex Witt on the weekends, mm-hmm. which I found was an interesting perspective. And then the second show was um, Lawrence O'Donnell. Um, and that was a- also a great opportunity. Um, I did a program at Duke University called the Ralph Bunch Summer Institute, which helped me find like different avenues are going going about higher education in my field of political science. And that was definitely beneficial. And right now I'm looking to attend law school. Obviously very diverse uh, political science, like you mentioned, uh, journalism. So you have your, your, your foot in, in some different areas. Now you're a big sports fan too. You love basketball, definitely. right? Love basketball. And <laughs> obviously, like I mentioned earlier, there's an affiliation with sports and a lot of this, uh, the political movements going on right now especially considering the NFL is 70% black, the NBA is uh, 80% black. So there's a lot of player movements. You're seeing players like LeBron James have a big voice, always had a big voice, but now it seems, you know, they're getting more attention these days than they were before. Now it's it's a matter of the time, but nonetheless, it's good to see these players have a voice. Well, that's a good point. And to that, it also goes shows you about, and that goes to my journalism background, how the media plays in giving this voice they've right. always have been outspoken let me athletes in in the history black athletes especially you have your kareem abdul jabbar you have your 
Muhammad Ali, Absolutely. your Bill Russell, your Jim Browns. Your Jim Browns. Right. You have those um, athletes always at the forefront of speaking out about race, right? And then you sort of get to this period of like the Michael Jordan, where he also says Republicans buy shoes and he really didn't want to touch politics. Absolutely. And because, and I always argue that because he had that stance, we then, it, it kind of didn't help the future generation of athletes like the LeBron James, the D Ways, the Carmelo Anthony's, the Chris Paul's that mm. are now starting to speak up. I mean, I mean, I see, um, I think his name is Lamar Jackson in football, right? Lamar, yeah. I think he, he also speaks out on it's Colin Kaepernick. How can I forget him? Yeah, but right. it kind of set a tone that athletes should not speak out on issues that are affecting their own people because he he made that kind of stance. But now I'm happy to see a resurgence of athletes saying, "No, we have to talk about. We have too much of a voice to be silent. We have to talk about these um, specific issues." Absolutely, and I think it was a matter of. The times you you had Michael Jordan make that statement Republicans buy buy sneakers too or whatever and yeah you, that 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 could have created a, a more difficult time for players following Michael Jordan but I mean I think Allen Iverson was really the start of you know just authenticity bringing into the league and then you had all these other players follow and you see how active LeBron James is in the community uh, and and just creating social change in general uh, Chris Paul other players like you've mentioned but. At the end of the day, you know, the owners do have a majority say and a lot of them are involved with with the media. Like you say, the media right. plays a, a, a huge role in the perception of athletes and everything that go, that goes on. Now, the reason I bring that up is, is, is the owners and them having so much so much play in everything is that you sent me an article the other day and I thought it was very interesting. And I think it's a great way to get started and everything. Now, we're going to run over a lot of stuff, you know, NBA, NFL coming Coming back, uh, whether that whether that's good, you know, players uh, a lot of them are against it. Right. NCAA, uh, McCord Maker, one of the top prospects in, in in high school basketball, is choosing to go to HBCU. Implications with that and a lot of different things. But this article you sent me, straight up the headline, I love it. I think it's what needs to be mentioned, and it doesn't. There's there's nothing subtle about it. But it's sugar coated. Black right. Black lives don't matter when it comes to sports. So right. tell me, what do you so, give, give me some on that? I mean, I enjoyed Dr. Um, Jason Johnson, who wrote the article, his commentary about it. And he was specifically mentioning about um, the NBA and how mm. a lot of people would attribute the NBA being like the most socially active league and or the most, as he called it, like the blackest league in, out of all major sports. Right. And even the NBA has shown that black lives actually don't matter um, in their in their sport. And here's the reason why this. Yeah, when one. we have Kyrie Irving, when we have Dwight Howard explaining that right now is not the time to play basketball, which I think we can all agree on two front. Not all agree, but I think it's a great argument to talk about. On one front, you have this, the coronavirus pandemic. And then on mm. another front, you have racism. And you see how divisive this country is. Right now, it is we, we know friends, family members who've dealt with um, having coronavirus, right. dying from it. Absolutely. And then we also see, like, for especially for being black, where most of the league is black, in America, you don't know if you walk out if this is your last day because of racism in America, right? So this is really not the time to be playing basketball. And even though people say that sports unite us, it, it sometimes doesn't. Because when we look at the reasoning behind playing this playing 
it really doesn't come down to for the players like a, like a Austin Rivers who countered it. Mm-hmm. It didn't come down to that. It brings us together. It came down to one thing, and that was that if there are bigger implications of not playing, that if they don't play, the owners will rip up the um, CBC agreement and pre- and um, they'll get less revenue right. as a result from that. And I think that's a terrible way of showing. You can put Black Lives Matter on the back and equality on the back of your jerseys all you want, but if you're threatening to... Because they're thinking about the safety of their family, because they're thinking of the safety of their health, and because they say this is definitely not the time to play basketball with all that's going on in race in America, if you're threatening to rip up the CBC agreement and use that as leverage for them to make less in revenue and for you to make more in revenue, you don't really care about Black Lives Matter. You don't care about equality. The things that at, at the least, you know, evilness, you only care about your pockets, your green Absolutely. dollars, right? Yeah. And at most... You you you're saying, man, I only care that you entertain us. I could care less about um, black lives actually matter in America. Now let me play devil's advocate with you real quick because obviously, uh, like you said, it it would be better for a lot of players. The owners do have control over this, and it does come down to the money for them. So there's no absolutely no question about that. That this is obviously in the grand scheme of things, uh, it's just their pockets that matter to them, and that's why mm-hmm. they want to do this season and they don't really care about the health of the players for the most part. Right. Well, I think we can both agree on that, but here's why here's why I'll come in and I'll say, don't, wouldn't you think like some LeBron James said where you can put black lives matter on a pedestal. If you're playing as if, if the NBA isn't going on, a lot of people can just not, not be aware of it, but you know, there's a lot of NBA fans out there. There's a lot of sports fans out there. They're going to watch the league and they're going to be watching these players like LeBron and, and many of these other players. And now that, you know, this game is going on, the game is going on, basketball is going on, the playoffs are going on, they're going to be able to blast this whole movement more and, and kind of put more uh, awareness into it. I don't, I, and here's where I, I look at that and I say, it could be possible that you alert, like having Black Lives Matter, yeah, people, millions of people will see that because they're watching it from home because of the coronavirus, but it does not bring light and it doesn't bring real change to the movement right it gives them awareness of it's symbolism right it's like when we see across the country they're they're putting streets black lives matter streets paint painting them on the ground and putting signs up well if i walk by if i don't believe black lives matter and i walk by it does that mean I believe now believe that Black Lives Matter? No, you you see these sim- symbols, but just because you see them doesn't mean you actually believe them, right? So again, I and I know I talked to a lot of my friends who I tried to educate on the front, and it, a lot of them they were white that mm-hmm. were wanted the league back, and I said, and they were trying to use people like Ed Davis's and Austin Rivers, and even that LeBron James point to say that Kyrie and Dwight Howard were wrong and Steven Jackson, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then I challenged them. I said, how does this bring more light to it, right? And in all reality, a lot of them pretty much didn't really want to answer that question. They really just said that they wanted to watch basketball, and right. this is how they watch basketball. Right. So in all reality, they don't care about the the movements, the, the work that activists, that um, people that are not known are given, right? And you see how like Kyrie Irving just produced a documentary. Yeah, that those are ways to to enlighten, not dribbling the basketball. 
Yeah, I think that's a hard question for a lot of people to answer just because obviously deep down you, you want to watch. That's what you want to do. You want to watch the game and ask. So you them like like you said, a lot of these friends that were making these points are white friends. Uh, it, it's hard for you. There's to, black friends too that also made those points that about why they should be. But I disagree, and they they're kind of disappointed that some players like Kyrie are taking that that stance. But mm-hmm. again, I try most of the people that didn't want to grapple with that issue were my white friends. That, there you go. And 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 it makes sense because you don't understand how that affects you personally. Like that's never affected you personally. You've been never been the one that's been has had to deal with those issues. And you know it it it's like that. You want you want to watch the game, but there's so much more you know implications with it. And I do think that it can be put on a I don't know if a, if a pedestal, but it's it's going to be aware. But at the end of the day, you saw what happened when the NFL, you know, the NFL came out and said that they're going to play the African-American national anthem before they play the national oh, anthem at, 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 at football games. Well, you know, make of it how you want to make the, of that with, with that case. But a whole fan base, I mean, it was trending on Twitter, it, right. uh, boycott NFL because you right. have all this conservative fan base in the NFL and you call them racist. Don't call them racist, but <laughs> they're, they're boycotting that. But- but they're going to stop watching, according to what they say, because of this movement. So my point with that is, is with the NBA, if a lot of these people, like you said, with Black Lives Matter painted on the street, that's not going to make anybody think differently necessarily. So if the NBA is going on and these players do put that, put this, you know, Black Lives Matter and they try to put it on a pedestal, it doesn't mean these people are necessarily going to pay attention. So the bigger movement would be to end it and be more uh, progressive in other ways, like you said right. about Kyrie Irving producing a documentary. Chris Paul's also producing a documentary on uh, an, a specific athlete at HBCU school talking uh-huh. about that process. So there are a lot of other ways that would more beneficially uh, promote this whole movement anyways. And, and I, I'm so glad you brought up the um, it's the Negro National Anthem that I mean, I've known all my life. Right. right. And black people who really grow up in the the spaces will know the Negro national anthem word for word, right? But we even, I'm not celebrating the NFL for doing that, right? Yeah. Again, we go back to symbolism. For why, what, and, and actually, this is even more insulting because they're, they're doing it for one week out of the whole season. Not even a whole season. Oh, it's not the whole season they're doing it? It's not even the whole season. Oh, it's wow. just yeah, I didn't know the, for the first week, every okay. game that first week. Oh, and okay. still, that made white people mad. That yeah. made some black people mad, right? Over one week of singing the Negro National Anthem, Left Every Voice to Sing. That's where, again, it's, it kind of makes me laugh about how America is, right? It's that... How do you feel about that, though? About About... That uh, incorporating that, and I I think when 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 I I'm it's it's funny that white people aren't a lot of white people weren't educated that there is a black national anthem the lift every voice and sing which is a positive song yeah. right it's not a negative song and it's not rooted like the Star Spangled Banner Absol- in racism absolutely and I think it's right. I, I think that's a very good point you make because. I personally, I come from a Brazilian background, so forget just the white period being in this country. I'm an immigrant myself. I came here when I was very young, so my parents have no idea. My parents don't even know the National Star Spangled Banner word for word, right? So obviously, African-American causes in this country something that's very foreign too. 
So it's something I wasn't exposed to growing up. But as soon as I saw that, you know, I made myself aware. I went uh, and, and looked at the lyrics. The lyrics are very, it's like you said, it's not, it's so different from the Star Spangled Banner and the roots from the Star Spangled Banner, right. which is very, you could say it's very divisive in, in, in what it is and in the time period it was written in and what was going on when the Star Spangled Banner was written in. Whereas this song is completely different. So I just wanted to kind of point that right. out and let you continue. And the Star Spangled Banner takes out lyrics from the song that pretty much, you know, glorifies that the white race will take over and don't let the black races. Um, you know, try to overtake us, mm-hmm. and I mean that's not racist, right? Yeah. But then when you, but pe- white people, and I saw some black people are conditioned to think just because it's a bl- Negro national anthem that it has to be racist, right? It has to be that they're trying to separate themselves. No, uh, most like for example, myself, I've come from ancestors that were taken from the motherland and mm-hmm. brought over here. So now I don't know where my country of origin is. I only know that I that my ancestors are from Georgia and Florida and that they migrated up to New York and Connecticut. But I don't know anything else about where I'm from, right? So this is a pride, this is an identity, this is our own thing that let their voice and sing that we're proud that we sing proudly at our functions because it's such an important aspect to us. It helps celebrate um, ourselves and us being here in America. It has nothing to do with like the Star Spangled Banner. It has nothing to take away from any other national anthem. It is our own. And I think it was kind of like a slap in the face from the NFL to then now put that out there for just one week too. And then really get people and ridiculously that's and then here's a here's again a, where sports doesn't bring us together. Mm-hmm. They never back in the day they they did not play the national anthem at sporting events. This is a playing the national anthem is also a politicized um, statement. Mm-hmm. The military gave money, I think, to it was to the NFL to start having the players come out and play the national anthem um, and they, they stand for it. Right. So it was politicized to be that way, mm-hmm. right? To, to show, um, to show patriotism right. and to show that we're strong together and we're together. Right. Right. The, so again, to say like, Oh, this is getting politicized. Then having a national anthem there in the first place is pol- political so to do it so i can understand what they were thinking okay we can have this but you you please no not one side by only having it for one week and you know i I just don't and but i'm i'm kind of conflicted because i'm like i don't think who's singing it number number two like it, it also is a complicated um it has a lot of tones that you have to hit and it'll be disrespectful if they can't get it right on all the games. Right. And also, <laughs> well, that's in like, general. That's in general. That's just in general. But the um, let every voice to sing is a hard song to to, yeah, to sing. Absolutely. Like most people that sing it are always off key, <laughs> right? And so they they have to sit out, but um, not sit out and like not sing, but they they're whispering the right. song. They're not right. fully at full volume singing it. Now, how- so I'm. Mm-hmm. How about how about this though? So you because you have 
I, I completely agree with you. And you had this backlash from so much of conservative America uh, when, when the NFL said they were going to do this. And so much so that Boycott NFL was trending on Twitter. And what you mentioned is something that a lot of people aren't aware of. The anthem wasn't always played before sporting events. And it, right. it really wasn't. It, was, it is what you said. It was supposed to uh, show, you know, it's a symbolic sign of uh, patriotism and for us to appreciate, you know, what we're doing. And they try to tie, you know, sports together with, uh, with, with this kind of patriotism. And that's just another way of, obviously, uh, there are a, a lot of conservative America does mask uh, their race, their inherent racism with patriotism, you know, the same reason right. that a lot of people say, right. you know, oh, the Confederate flag, you guys are going about the Confederate flag the wrong way. The Confederate right. flag isn't about slavery. It's about, oh, like our, our heritage and the, what we had in... Mm. Yeah, so it's really just a mask for, you know, really racism and everything in that sense. But then when you look at the NFL doing that with the national anthem, you did have a segment of uh, the African-American community that didn't like it because they think this is showing that they're not included in the national anthem uh, itself, right? If we just play the national anthem and we say everybody and we're working towards this, you know, equality and everything, then we should be included in that. We should be included in the song and it should be go without knowing. So now the fact that we're playing these two anthems, it shows that, uh, you know, that it is, it's kind of divisive. What do you say to that? Uh, I, I mean, it's like when schools play their own anthem, right? And is that divisive to America because they're playing their own, their own, like, maybe alma mater song or their, their school song? Is it divisive when um, Canada also gets their national anthem at, at it? I say what I say to, to and how about this? And what about what about? Oh, because I, I heard this too. Uh, there's no Asian. We're not gonna put an Asian anthem. We're not a uh, Asian American anthem. We're not gonna play the Latino American anthem. You know, again, again, it's like you have the NFL that you. It's like seventy eighty percent black. <laughs> it's yeah, like seventy percent. It's like this is your. This is who runs this league, right? The the owners. If it wasn't for the players there the league would not be as entertaining. And as you see, people like to argue about the WNBA, for example. It's like, that. oh, we don't watch it because they, there's not flashy dunks and stuff like that. So clearly, you probably wouldn't watch other sports if these talented yeah. and God-given ability players weren't on the field, right? Would you watch it if there were less t talent or less ability no. than we have now? No. So no. probably not. Yeah. So it's like, your whole base is black is based off of black lives. So it again, I don't know who made this decision. I I think that to have this fight over our, our Negro national anthem, let their voices sing, is totally ridiculous and it misses the point from what is fully happening in America, which is why I sometimes hate the symbolism, right? I hate when they, people try to do something like this and act like we progress. It shows that if they can't accept after everything that's happened, one week of lift every voice and sing, if they think that now they need to boycott that, that right. just shows us that in America, we haven't gone far, right? We haven't progressed a lot, that we have actually ha are still a racially divided society and that... Um, if they can't understand why the Negro National Anthem is important after not like to don't have initial thought, actually study where it came from, who wrote it. Um, James Wilder Johnson, 
and why it was why is it considered a Negro national anthem? Mm-hmm. Then come back to me and say say if you want to say that, then ex- explain to me why after reading that why you come to that point. Don't just initially just say oh that's a, they have a national anthem. Then what in the world like I can't watch the NFL anymore, right? Because they're divisive, right? Um, and, so and, and, and the NFL and and the sports leagues in general, like you know you mentioned the kind of the hypocrisy with the NBA. They'll do whatever they want when it's convenient. So NBA, obviously right. the NFL never ever passed before this year would ever come out and say something like Black Lives Matter. They would they would never do that because they, they understand that the implications that could have with a large part of its fan base, which is conservative America, who uh you know are against that because they don't understand what what it's truly for. Uh right. what, what for whatever reason they're doing. But now it's convenient. Now it's the money going into this. Like the Washington it's Redskins. Now and the Nike Nike says, Oh, you, you gotta change your 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 name good from the Redskins. Amazon and takes it off. Amazon Every- and now all of a sudden or FedEx, yeah. Now all FedEx of a sudden too, and Amazon removed it too. And now they, they they're like, Okay, we're losing money off of this. But for years you had people saying you cannot refer to um American Indians, Native Americans, whatever turned out as um, Redskins, And you know right? what's annoying about that? Because people argue against it. They say, why, you know, it's it's not, we don't consider it a derogatory term. Well, that's the same thing as you saying, you know, we don't consider the N-word a derogatory term, so we can say it if right. we want. We don't we care if they, d- d- they determine that. That's up to them for the, to determine. So if they think right. it's a derogatory term, if they don't like it, that being represented as that being called that, then isn't that their right? To It's so funny because they, where, if you had a team that Let's say hypothetically you had a team that was like the Washington Crackers, and yeah. you had this like white person that they would find that offensive. If you had the Cincinnati Karens, for example, <laughs> they can't like Karens. Yeah. They they're like it's a racial motivated, and it doesn't feel good to be stereotyped. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny you mentioned that because there has been there has some. Uh... But white some, people like, have been saying it. There has and been so, some, like, some stuff about so like, white women pro terms. Yeah, they, they're going against this whole Karen whole thing. Karen obviously. thing. They're yeah. saying that we're racist for calling them, them Karen. Even though I do, not to get too off topic about about it, but I do sometimes hate that we call um white people like there was a violent, for example, at at their um I forgot what state, but it was her and her husband came out with guns pointed at protesters yeah. and we're calling her Karen. No, that is a white supremacist who yeah. hate, hated to see the idea of black people coming down and all other races coming down together, marching peacefully. peacefully because this was in reaction to the mayor who had a difference of opinion about defunding the police. She decided to give out the names and addresses to all the people that sent her a letter complaining that wanted to defund the police. They decided to take to do what what I say is more patriotic than a lot of what the what, what other people are doing. They're exercising their right to their freedom to march and protest, yeah. right? And here they come with guns pointed at them. We can't call those people Karen's. We gotta call it what it is. We gotta call it white supremacy, white supremacists. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of the basis of the past few months is coming to grips with that, you know, and uh it's 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 bigger than it's bigger than anything, but right. it's if if we can recognize 
those around us. And that's really my position is that you know, the black community has been always, always been saying this. It's just the white community hasn't been listening. So now there's right. a lot of people who are listening. And then there's a lot of people who refuse to listen. Now, those who right. refuse to listen, it, it's really hard for me, in my position for me to, for me to hear like uh, any, any kind of argument they have to, and, and to say that like, this is why we have our position. But maybe there's some amazing reason they have. I've yet to hear an amazing one, like, like the Confederate one we were talking about, why the Confederate flag stands. I've never heard a good argument for that. But right. it, uh, I, I think it's just a matter the other of, thing that, that Trump has said the other day. He said that now we're teaching, they're teaching our kids to hate America, right? And if I found it so well, interesting. He's, yeah, he's in the, the face fact, of the problem. Well, I, I challenge you on this one, too. These two points here. That one, that we, there is now a movement to teach the real history of America, not the whitewashing and the white supremacy history, the rewriting of history, the rewrite, yeah. where, uh, like for example, Black history is taught uh, the, of that um, Lincoln freed the sl- well first um, George Washington's teeth was um, wooden right. when it was from the mouths of slaves. That Thomas Jefferson really had this, um, you know he had this moral complexity that he knew that slavery was wrong, but, you know, he did have, like, very good things for slaves, blah, blah, blah. When in all reality, you know, he here he is, he raped a underage black person that was enslaved by him and also enslaved his children. They don't want, they don't want to teach that. And then you get to the fact that they go over here and whitewash history that says, Abraham Lincoln was for the slaves and that he freed them and blacks really weren't trying to fight for freedom before that and everything. And then we get to civil rights where MLK took a march for freedom and then Obama was the po- ended, ended racials, uh, racial society. Now we're past race, we're post-racial because the first black president was elected. That's really the only history that's taught inside school. schools and but now when people start challenging these facts you then start getting a sense of oh my god i do i don't like the america that was taught because this is not the america that that's actually it's not what happened it's not what happened right and so you start having you start coming to grips with the country which is which some people who haven't been talking about this for years who wasn't who weren't educated who had this miseducation they start to have a hatred for the country. But when the people that actually knew this history and the people that become acquainted with this history, they start having a different appreciation for the country. They want the country to improve, but they just want the real facts to come out and, and or, so we can actually fight for equality f- for all people. So we can actually um, in- influence people now since you see the, the past histories of this country, right. why we can't just say, why can't we not see color anymore? We have right. to address it and then go from there. Well, I think that's the hardest part, especially for a lot of people to accept because you didn't grow up a lot of like these white communities. You don't grow up like you said what they keep and from from the from the school system, from the education system. You don't learn so much of this stuff. Like you know, I never learned about Malcolm X right. growing up. I'd learn about it on my own researching and stuff like right. that. I did learn about all these all these people growing up and then since we're since you know this is we're talking about sports as well how come uh they don't teach us about what we we're talking about earlier muhammad ali and james and, and jim brown 
and, mm-hmm. and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's so many. There's so many different athletes, and not only athletes but musicians. I think like Tupac should. Right. We should learn about Tupac in school. Like I think we should learn about so many of these social activists who who are in all different sectors, but they they end up not teaching us that kind of stuff, and it's very whitewashed. So then it's hard for people to accept that. I think especially when they're older, that you know how how are you gonna tell me what I learned is wrong, but right it. They're, we, they're we, they to. don't even teach the history of how a lot of these sports have become um, black, um, black player dominant and white player dominant. There's a reason why um, there's a lot of, I mean, it's getting more, more and more like minorities coming back into MLB, for example. But you see tennis, there's not a lot of black tennis stars. Yeah. You see golf, there's not a lot of golf stars. Lacrosse. In hockey, you don't see a lot of black players there. Right. It's because after blacks were getting um, were allowed to play in sports leagues, NFL, NBA, white and all across the country, they were integrating um, these sports sports leagues, and kids were starting to play with each other. White parents moved their kids into other sports. Golf, it's amazing. It's amazing isn't it? right. Basketball, so basketball used play. to be the whitest sport in the, the world. The whitest sport in the world, invented by someone from Canada, Naismith, and now it it turned into it's a black sport, right? Because white people could not handle the fact that blacks were now playing at basketball, playing at football, and, and instead they decided to right. they opted to tell their kids they can't play that now anymore. Play, pick up a baseball pick up um, a lacrosse stick right. here, a hockey stick. Right. And that's where these dominant, um, why these leagues are so dominant in different races, right? And I didn't yeah. even know this until the NFL, I think, shared it, that um, blacks help, in, um, like, help the sports, NFL sports league at the beginning. I didn't even know all of that. And so that's, again, another part of the miseducation is that we don't, Actually, we don't we don't learn about the origins of things. Yeah. We don't know the real history yeah. on why things are the way they are. So now we can't grasp. We 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 really don't have a standpoint on okay, why don't they want to play or why can't we just all get along and stuff like that, right? Yeah. When you're ignorant to the fact of, of all this history that hasn't been taught or been shoved away, and they. Pre- they prevent they present this new history that was not the case going back to your point of the confederacy that's the same that's exactly why people cannot grasp why it is inappropriate to continue to have these confederate monuments to continue to have this um to 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 have the states celebrate them look at for example when these monuments were built they were built during the civil rights era mm-hmm. because yeah. it was to scare black people and it was to also increase the hatred, the unity among the white um, Southern population. It wasn't because they had the Southern heritage back in the day. And if you just go and read, <laughs> go yeah. and, that, and that's, and here's the other reason why yeah. I think sport, we, instead of sports leagues should tell people we we have to we have to cancel the season. Do your read on the real history of America. That would do so much for this country. Yeah. Because if once you read 
about just the own words of Confederate generals, Confederate leaders. Yeah, so they much. tell you, yeah. they tell you that it was about slavery. Yeah. One person said, don't make, make no mistake. <laughs> this is not about t taxes or whatever. This is about slavery. Well, there you go. So half the problem is not being exposed to the, to the information. The other half of the problem is not expect, not uh, accepting that original information. So it's both of them at the same time. So right. you got to make yourself aware and then you got to accept that that's exactly what these people said and not say, oh, that's not what he meant. You know, oh, it was a different time. Like, you know, the different so time part is always kill as a yeah, killer because so like people like I, I don't understand how some white people love to argue that Thomas Jefferson kind wrote in the Declaration of Independence that um that slaves would be free. But then Why the southern states. um. <laughs> wouldn't sign it they yeah. they wouldn't vote for it yeah. for the declaration of independence and they needed all 13 colonies, colonies. to vote for it so, so they took it out but so if he knew that they clearly he knew that owning another person a human being was wrong <laughs> yeah. was inhumane and wrong but he right. continued to do it but he continued to do it and not only that but abuse him as you mentioned now i want to transition over because you did mention the history and us not knowing the the origins of a lot of, of a lot of these things where they begin and stuff like that it, it, even with sports like you mentioned uh college basketball now it is, it's been a history and and there's a lot of controversy surrounding it what you know the exploitation of these college athletes especially when the majority of these these big time college prospects coming out of high school going to these colleges are black but there's a movement now where these mm -hmm. players historically where they would be going to Kentucky, they'd be going to Kansas, uh, UCLA, Duke, these uh, predominantly white universities who have big names for their basketball history and other reasons and bring a lot of money to these schools. But now uh, McCore Maker, the first one, one mm -hmm. of the top prospects coming out of high school, is going to HBCU, is going to Howard University. So right. that, I say a movement. I wouldn't say it's a movement yet, but it's, it could spark a movement. It's sparking a movement, there's, right. There's, there's other players who have talked about it. Mikey Williams is one who, out of the class of 2023, he's got like 2 million mm -hmm. followers on Instagram, so he's a huge following already. We know how big uh, the whole recruitment, the scale is on everything. And right. if you get a lot of these players to go to HBCUs, uh, then all you're doing, I read a fact, actually. I want to I bring it up. I'm yeah, definitely, find it. definitely. Uh, of the 230 public schools required by the NCAA to release their revenue, for 2018, right? Uh, HBCUs held eight of the last 10 spots. Now, the point is, and I think Howard is, uh, is, has the biggest revenue of all HBCUs. Uh, it's one of the biggest, HB, I think it's the biggest HBCU school. They have the biggest revenue, but it's 2% of, uh, hmm. of what Harvard makes, right? So it's just, yeah. it just talks about the discrepancy with, between the revenue of these schools and everything like that. Now, a big part of that is, is sports, is athletics. Now, uh, HBCUs in particular, uh, let's say you get a, one of these big-time athletes, so, so uh, McCore Maker is going to Howard. What the implication that brings is that they could get TV broadcast rights, they could get sponsors, they could increase their ticket revenues, and so much of that money that's coming to them, you know, it's going to help them so much where right now it's just helping right. these traditional you know, basketball schools. If, if this can become a movement, you know, it, it could be really good. And that's, it's so interesting because at the time – that we're see because people always wanted this to happen, right? Yeah. Don't, don't but why didn't it happen? It didn't happen because we have, and sometimes in the black community we have a mentality too that our own, our history of like our schools, 
and the history of like things that black business, for example, mm-hmm. uh, not related to to colleges and universities, historically black colleges and universities, that they're inferior, right, to the white products, the white universities, right? Our dream, our dream is we tell we tell our kids, our I want you to go to Harvard or Cornell or right. um any other Columbia, right? Yeah, yeah, Princeton. Right. But we don't tell them like, oh, I want you to go to Howard, Hampton, Morehouse, even right. other um Spelman, other and right. other historically black colleges and universities. And so we we on the back burner of we we put that in the back burner of things. And it t- it re- what I love about movements is that it, it requires someone to take that big step like uh, Maker did, right? It requires one person to start that movement. Right. Now more people will. Because if I, he made the, and, and it goes to sacrifices that Kyrie Irving was talking about. At what point do you make a sacrifice? He could have possibly made a sacrifice where he won't be taken as serious as a player because he went to HBCU school if other top prospects don't follow him and go to other HBCU schools. You see what I'm right, saying? Right, right. So, exactly. so now I'm hopeful that they don't just pick Howard, They even though I love Howard university too that they pick other hbcus so we can have that network of across of serious prospects going now going to these schools and bringing revenue that's much needed to these schools but also and it goes back not just to the hbcu i and i was more for and i said if i was a 18 year old that had the God-given ability to play basketball, you know, and everything. Right, right. <laughs> and, not, and not brick it. <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would have probably went to the G League now, right? Because yeah. no, because no, that's, a, that's, salary, a, that's a choice now. That's a choice. I would probably go to the G League because of how you see the NCAA exploiting them to a point where they knew they were exploiting them. They yeah. out, and and they said they couldn't do anything about it, and it would question the integrity of them being amateur athletes or whatever the terminology they use. And now that they see the G League and the steam of people now going to the G League instead of college, now all of a sudden you can gain money through endorsements. I think, in all sense, either top black athletes and other athletes too. Now, it doesn't have to be black. You could be white and be a top athlete. I think you should choose the HBCU school or you should go pro, right? You shouldn't pick these traditional you should punish these traditional schools for years number one found cheating a lot of them for cheating right to get these athletes and they were and it's not just them it's the nikes and the adidas who are funneling money through these schools to get these these college basketball is corrupt well not just college college football too but college basketball especially in the sense what we're talking about it's corrupt and the funny thing is, is everybody knows about it but it's almost as if we choose to ignore it because the product they give is so great but I think that's where the difference, that's where the, the difference can really come in. And this is what Mikey Williams said, where he said, he tweeted, he was like, going to HBCU wouldn't be too bad or whatever. And that's where it, what got everybody talking. He put a, a post on Instagram and he was just saying like, the, we have the power as players. And it's really right. the truth. The powers in the player. They used to say it's the powers in the college or the coaches. Right. Or, right. And it's and not, that's what and they, they want you to scholarship. And that's what they want you to believe. But you're trying to tell me that if Zion Williamson didn't go to Duke, they would have the same appeal they had? No. no. And they wouldn't get the not. same the same money they do but that's where the whole cor- corruption is with nike and, and adidas funneling through the they're talking to the players yo come to duke because they got to do, deal with with duke to to, mm-hmm. to get these players and it, and it just creates right. a whole corrupted atmosphere but if you get some of these players and we know basketball it's easier to do than football because football it's more of a team effort 
But basketball, right. you can have one star that could change the, the season. Change the now, race. Howard won four games last year. So Maker, like as, as you said, he's really making a sacrifice here. If it doesn't cause a movement, he's making a sacrifice. But if he's that good, he can bring uh, Howard to, to, to a lot more success than they had last well, that's year. That's the other thing. And Even they if you don't made, get... They, they haven't made, a, they haven't made a, the NCAA tournament since 1992. So if you get this, this thing going and you get them to the NCAA tournament and other schools, like you said, like Grambling State, Winston-Salem, you get all these other HBCUs uh, to, to, to start getting this top talent, then what you're doing, not only are you, are you improving HBCUs, but you're taking the talent away from these just money-hungry schools like, like the Kansases and the Kentuckys that don't care about the players because the players from the first place know they're only going to stay at the college one year. They, they know they're not, going, they're not going to stay there. They're just going to college because you have to go to college. But now, you, like you introduced, you have, you have the opportunity to go to the G League, but you go to HBCUs as well now. And, to, and, here's, and here's the thing about that also, is that, you, you, like you said, I, I, don't, I forgot what it was either top 25. I forgot what top out of the top prospects. I think there, had, there, had a, there hasn't been one since Maker that chose HBCU since I think they said 2007, right? Mm-hmm. And so you see 2007, one of them, right? And so you see why a lot of these HBCUs, especially in sports, are now behind, where before that was the universities where the only universities that Blacks could go to get an education. It was the only universities that Blacks could go to play sports um, and, 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 and prosper, right? And not be, and also not be afraid to lose their life because they're going to these universities, right? Where that, where they know, like, okay, here I'm welcomed. But in another institution, even after it started integrating, they they had to worry about going down the wrong street or going down, especially in, in yeah. the neighborhoods where some of these universities are. Like, right. look at like, and here's the here's the the the, the why I'm hopeful is that when you look at these historically black colleges, you look at the neighborhoods that they're in, mm-hmm. right? When you look at these PWIs that are great in basketball because they're getting all these black players to attend there, a lot of these black players come from areas that don't look like where the college and universities are, right? Yeah. So they're funneling money. They, they're, they're benefiting, not the players, the institution from these players from different neighborhoods and they're using that money to benefit oh the white neighborhood, right? Yeah. Whereas if you go now, if you go to HBCUs, not only is it garnering money for the institution, it's garnering money for the neighborhoods in which they serve, right? And it gives more opportunity for schol- for student scholarships, academic scholarships, right? Or for financial aid because you're bringing more money to that institution. Whereas yeah. before, they had to that. They had to be be way behind in in recruitment and couldn't mm-hmm. build a foundation, right? right? And and now you got more people. You'll have more people watching. You'll have more people um, taking this college seriously. So I, I think this is a, a great movement in a sense. I still it kind of hurts because I'm kind of conflicted in the sense that yes, I want more HBCUs, but I can't stand the NCAA. I think the NCAA is predatory, right? And yeah. they they use their status, and the NBA is complicit in this before for many years. The fact that they um, stopped doing high school students and made made it a requirement that you go for a year because 
own, because owners were so hyped up about this high school player and they didn't turn out to be who they said they were. That's right. part of the risk of drafting them. What does one year look at what's his name from 2013? Anthony Bennett, for example. Yeah. What well, one year didn't do anything for him, right? So, and I bet you he would have had a great four year career, right? I think he's at Kansas. Four years after, if he gets drafted number one, what would have changed, right? He still probably would have been outside the league. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like it's, it's a gamble. It's like playing the stock market, for example. You have to t- you take you're taking a risk in drafting players because because you can't pick doesn't mean you should now punish it and require that people go to the NCAA. That's why I'm happy I, to see these alternatives coming up. Yeah. about. Right. Where especially the G League, because yeah. the G League now people are like, well, I think education is important, so they should go for the education. Yeah, the G League will give you a scholarship to an institution. So not only are you getting one hundred thousand dollars, but you're also getting a, a a college scholarship if you choose to to take it and study it. Which I hope every single one of them takes that opportunity. Right. And runs with it because I, I think education is important. But the the one year Kyrie Irving, one year done at Duke after playing twelve games, is not giving you education either. Yeah, no, no, exactly. They're not going to, and that's the thing is these 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 uh, college coaches and and recruiters they're recruiting these kids on the basis of they're going to go to the NBA. They know they're one and done. They don't care about their college experience, and all that matters is it's bringing more money to them. It's bringing more revenue. Through the TV deals, it's bringing the sponsors to them, and it's bringing it's giving them money through from Nikes and Adidas, who are you know funneling all this money and, and and figuring everything out. So it's running through them. So I do see it how you see it as either way really is beneficial. You look at it from a player's perspective and being able to go straight to the G League and get sponsorship deals and stuff like that. That's gonna help them out uh, uh, financially. Now the only thing I have with that is that if a player isn't ready, then uh, I hope the G League is uh, is 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 competent in the in in the sense of developing these players to that level that that, that they want to be at. Because uh, I think that's the one argument that the NCAA had with the one year rule is that uh, that that you know you you a lot of players would be going straight from high school to the NBA, not being able to make it, and that's just ruining their lives. But at the end of the day, you know they're going to the college to go to the NBA anyways. So I look at it that way. So I think the G League uh, does help individually out. But if the HBCUs, if they end up to go that route, you're it's a greater cause, and you're not only helping. I think it's it's good individually as well, and even the NCAA. I think you're avoiding some of that. What we look at from the NCAA of them being just just money hungry and stuff like that, right. because I think you overlook that because of the input, like as you mentioned, that you're putting into the black community in general. But and you know the Howards and and all, all these different schools we say, it's, I think it's really going to help them out, and it's going to serve like a greater cause. And that's a good point. And I think the biggest saver for NCAA is in basketball um, is if they can get this HBCU movement going because um, I, I I don't see in the near future a lot of top prospects choosing to go to a Duke, choosing to go to North Carolina, right? These big t- Kentucky, these big right. top schools after seeing because if you d- declare for the drafts. I I think doesn't that make you ineligible to come back and play college basketball if you don't get drafted or if you don't do well in the in the sport because now you signed a professional contract. Right. So unless 
So even if they, they I don't know if they changed that rule recently, but not sure um, how it stands. Yeah, I'm not sure how it stands, but I know before you could have just declared for the draft, and then if you didn't get drafted, you come back to the college, and she's able to allow that. So that again, the the aspect of developing, I think you could you your risk is greater is greater for the NCAA than it is for um going to the G League because at least with the G League, they're giving you money to yeah. to, to to um play. They're not exploiting you that in that sense, but they can't even give you no, yeah, you you money, right? You could actually eat, right? Right, and and um, especially if you have that kind of education. talent, like say if Zion went to the G League, then he would get compensated a lot more through sponsorships right. and all that kind of stuff than another athlete. So right, like imagine LeBron James too, like yeah, with, with, if he did it right, the right way, and he went to college for a year because the rule said it, right? Um, the, like today's rules, not right. the not three when he rules. Went. Right. And, and then imagine if you did it right in the sense that he didn't do any sponsorships and nothing like that. How could how can he feed him himself when basketball, college basketball is a full time job in itself? Yeah. Then you go to school. That's a full time job. So how you, he can't work. Right. He has no time to actually work. So how does he get? Oh, but they say like the, the players get a meal plan. But a lot of these colleges don't give them the full meal plan or, or eat as much as you want nutrition so you yeah. can stay in shape. They're pretty much on their own and they have no spending money to do anything else. They don't. Right? So no. now you you have these other alternatives that is a golden thing for people, especially coming from, from a background where there wasn't a lot of money, mm-hmm. to now you get the you, you can not only get the hundred thousand dollars, but you can sign a Nike, a Adidas, a Puma contract. Yeah. Then you can also, which will get you even more money. Then you can also do commercials and stuff like that. Yeah. You can benefit you can, off, off of your, your own name, right. which that for years I've been saying. I actually stopped watching the NCAA because of them not allowing players to benefit off their own name. I'm mm-hmm. like, at the bare minimum, <laughs> you should be allowed to make money off of yourself that is garnering these schools millions of dollars. Like yeah. Zion Williamson, like he's making millions for Duke. He should be at least able to make that money too. If you want to go to pop-up shops, sign jerseys, sell them and stuff like that. Why is he restricted? Because he's an amateur athlete. Yeah. I, I, I never thought it made sense because like if say, if you have uh Anybody like that's going to like Stanford or something like that, and they have a great tech. They're, they're like some genius, right? And and Microsoft wants to, yeah, and Microsoft wants to use them as a sponsor for something. Like, there's no restriction. They're allowed against to use that. that, right? That's a good point too, Felipe. And I, I'm actually, I always cringe at and hated this, and would fight back so much on this point. Is where they would say but the players have a scholarship. Why are they complaining? Right? Yeah. It's like. There's top people that get scholarships for academics. Does that mean that they can't work elsewhere? No. They're allowed to work wherever they want. Right. They're allowed to make bread as long right. as they keep a certain GPA. Right. They, they're there. Yeah. Why is that not the same for players? Yeah. And to your point, uh, man, I forgot the documentary. It was on Netflix. I watched it like a few years ago. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was. It's really about that. It's about how the, the multi-billion dollar industry that is the NCAA and really how they take advantage of these players and stuff like that. But that is the one argument that a lot of people make that, oh, they're getting rewarded with the, with the full scholarship, with the full ride. 
But a right. lot of these players, like you said, they have nothing else other than that. Uh, mm-hmm. There's players that have been forced. A former running back for the Texans, Arian Foster, uh, he was dealing drugs in, in college. He had a full ride. He was dealing drugs in college because that's, first of all, that's, that's what he needed. But he needed money. He didn't have money other than that. And it's illegal. It's illegal for a coach to buy you food. Like, it's, it's, it's illegal based on the guidelines and all this kind of stuff. So it's just there's so many restrictions in place where it's, People don't people don't recognize it, and it's it's so much more than uh, than the educational aspect of it. And even on the educational aspect of it, these kids are being recruited to play their respective sport, whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is. They're not being recruited to go to school. So when when they get to these schools, and, and this full ride scholarship you speak of, there a lot of them they they don't care about sports and or about school, and that's not their fault because that's you know that's. The, the society they're in, but uh, yeah. these 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 programs aren't out here trying to be- benefit them academically. So it's not like right. okay, they're getting a full ride scholarship, and we're providing them with the best education. No, nah, they got all these tutors doing their homework for them. Um, right. they got they they put them in these in this documentary shows that they put them in these uh Majors. classes that that you know don't matter like these like random history classes that the teachers yeah. are known to just pass you without you doing any work and stuff like that. And you know they they, they, they get them in a bare minimum against what they want to do too because they say no we need you to pass so you can so you can play and all this you know so it's so much more that goes into it but at the end of the day the players are exploited and however you want to look at it but uh th- this these nuances do bring a lot of a lot of different possibilities a lot of potential I think this is what goes to the the point of why it's important for athletes to speak out mm-hmm. um because someone like lebron james has always spoken out about the exploitation of ncaa right and if he it, it helps move the goal the goalposts it helps fight um get us to a place where we want to be right right it, whereas if he was silent then maybe with other people's voices that say no they should be playing they should be happy about a scholarship they should not be getting money could dominate the conversation right and um it's so funny that how it really isn't a problem when sports athletes you know are wearing these MAGA hats and support Trump and make conservative talking points like even how Lauren Ingram makes mention of Drew Brees saying that it's his right to say that the that you should stand for the flag and respect the flag and be patriotic but when it comes to black athletes like Colin Kaepernick it's you need to stand up and respect the flag. When it comes to LeBron James and Kevin Durant, it's you don't know what you talk about. Shut up and dribble, right? It's it's so funny how when the narrative doesn't fit their own, it it's they should not be talking about politics. They know nothing about it. They should just dribble. But when it fits their narrative, talk all you want. You know they're right, and this is why I love sports. It brings us together. <laughs> like that, yeah. you see what I'm saying? No, exactly. It's whatever whatever they can kind of the whatever narrative. Uh, can build upon you know the the image they wanna they wanna put forward, and I think that's the the, the prevailing uh theme of this whole conversation we're having is that athletes are realizing that they have power, like they have right. Uh, the, the college athletes, for example, or these high school athletes, realize like we're the ones that bring the money, so we we have the power. We go to HBCU, and you know everything is going to come result from that you know the tv deals and everything like that but we're still going to go to the league after because our talent is our talent like if we we're going straight from from high school to the nba if we could do that we would so it's not going to hurt our stock necessarily and then uh nfl players being able to speak out uh nba players being able to speak out 
and uh, like the LeBrons and the and like the Kyrie Irvings, for example, in this particular example, they're being mm-hmm. able to speak out. Whereas, you know, in the past, they like the Michael Jordans, they're only worried about you know what the NBA. Uh, yeah, they're worried about the NBA image. Where now it's the uh, it's the market of market the league. Yeah, okay. it's our stuff. So I think the oh, but the prevalent theme really is, is and I and I love to see it is just that athletes are recognizing their voice and and the power they have in in changing uh so many different uh parts of society right i agree and i and that's a good point and i think it goes and i wanted to make this point before um of how we got to this place in society Mm -hmm. and it it kind of is sad in a sense that we have to rely on athletes to do this kind of work because ideally i would want like let's say example activists who are doing the work fighting for um equality well here's the difference is that the the the, these athletes doing this uh, white america is watching this sports is a huge is a huge market in america and that's why it's so it's so crucial that these athletes recognize that they have that they the power they have because if an activist is out here doing what they're doing i I don't have to see them i'm not gonna see them because it's not going to be on the news, right? Or it's not going to be on the news. It's, I choose to see. But LeBron's on every channel, on every TV in America. So if he but, does something, it, it, it makes a statement. And, and I, 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 the, the fact that they need to be informed and be able to speak about these issues now, I agree with that 100%. But that's where the problem comes in, in my opinion. Right. Here's okay. where the problem comes in. It comes that we now treat our athletes. I forgot who said this. We treat our athletes like we should our scholars and the people fighting um people that are on the ground fighting these things mm-hmm. and we treat our scholars and the people fighting um equality and stuff like that like athletes right where in reality if you're not if like they have the experience to talk about it of course but there's so many i, I mean i've watched so many videos recently with like local activists explaining the problems that they're dealing with and shedding light on great solutions mm-hmm. right but they never get to the forefront of that discussion and then you see like athletes i forgot his name on the eagles that malcolm jenkins. Some, malcolm jenkins who that first off quoted hitler i mean even if you knew anything about Hitler, you you know that he also hated black people, right? Yeah. And, and so he that quote was written by I think a black national like a black person who is. Oh, you're talking I, about I, I the, the the Sean Jackson one, not not Malcolm. The Sean Jackson, thank you, not right, Malcolm yeah, Jackson. The right, Sean right, Jackson, right. right. And so like, and that, that's where the problem comes in is that we rely so much on our athletes being the scholars and being the the activists voicing them that there will come a time where Deshaun Jackson the the, the Deshaun Jacksons come and it takes away from now the movement that should be the progress going forward right and and so I I I hate the distraction of it right yeah because he made a huge mistake and Mm -hmm. now he's learning from his mistake but they're using this now to paint a whole picture of everybody believes this and that, and that um, they should stop listening at that point when that's not the case, right? And so that's why I'm saying we need to treat we need to go back to treating Pascalos and activists, etc., like they should, and our athletes 
like they should. Now, that's not to say that athletes shouldn't be like Muhammad Ali, shouldn't be like right. Kareem right. Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, and, and LeBron James. And sure. them, but we shouldn't rely on them to be like, we shouldn't have to rely on them to, to be active in the forefront. That's where that's I have terror. Like some, I hate how Jordan did it, right? Because we we relied on him to to be out there, his voice, right? Yeah. Because he has the platform. Yeah. He has. That's what it comes down. Everybody to. wanted to be like Mike. Yeah. Like they like Mike want to be like Mike. You have a song after that, right? Yeah. And a movie. If you can't talk about race right then being like mike is not sacrificing for the greater of society for for equality not sacrificing for your own people and that is where it's dangerous where we we see a lot of people like maybe like a doc prescott could say that will be behind saying like oh no i really don't and probably some of it's the culture that he plays for the dallas cowboys and jim jones but you have this set you set up this coach this culture for athletes where they even though we rely on their voices, they won't say anything because it's more profitable for them to be quiet than to sacrifice and and actually fight for their people. Yeah, I think what you said is key. I I, I love that point. But uh for us to be able to recognize and look at activists who aren't athletes and and, and appreciate what they're saying, you know, that's gonna come at that's really going to come at the expense of the individual, individual educational systems. And then that's a whole, that's, that's a lot that needs to change and right. come, coming down to the person. Right. Well, it's like, for example, yeah, you can, you could also use your platform to share these activists and share yeah. them. Yeah. Like a LeBron James, he, he shared the um, brother down in, um, ah, oh, man, where was it? Baton Rouge, uh-huh. Baton Rouge, where he, he educated the this um I forgot his name. I, somehow I, I remember I could hear his voice saying Connie. He's educating a school board member, uh-huh. a white school board member in a black district on the terror of Robert E. Lee. Now just mm-hmm. think about it. A majority black school district yeah. had goes to a school yeah. named after Robert E. Lee. Right. Who yeah. so Supported slavery. Yeah, and that happens way too often. That, that's, that's, that's way too common, too. Way too common. It's like it's a re-traumatization right, of our right. pain, right? Yeah. And but so he's up there passionately speaking about changing the name of the school, right? And for black school board members, because they've been to have solidarity like they have, and to vote vote people like Connie out. She left it, blah blah blah. But it got so much attention on the way her she reacted and how he was persisted at a school board meeting with hammering down these points and lebron james shared it he was on msnbc and he was Uh on um see all these different platforms and i'm i'm saying sports athletes can use people like that yeah invite have your own podcast like you're doing right and have those people on or put them on share them on twitter share them on facebook so your white audience now gets to see these these are the people that are doing the fight, and these are the people that are very knowledgeable in what we need to do to go forward to actually have those words that you have behind your jerseys mm-hmm. be a reality, right? Because like I said, you could go to Black Lives Matter Plaza. doesn't mean you believe that Black Lives Matter, or it doesn't mean that Black Lives actually do matter there, right? right. Uh, 
some a black the, what happened to George Floyd with the knee on his neck could happen on Black Lives Matter Plaza, right? It's like we've yeah. already seen this happened, yeah. th- this this mess before. They named in every black majority black area. They named uh, Martin Luther King School, um, Martin Luther King Street Boulevard, you know, Plaza, whatever you want to call it, and a Malcolm X Boulevard, mm-hmm. right? And every black place right yeah that doesn't mean things change right just because how their names on there it's not a reflection like white a lot of white people won't even accept um malcolm x right because of because of his rhetoric and stuff and a lot of people haven't white people won't accept the real mlk right they'll talk about the i have a dream speech but they'll never quote his right that the that um right is the is the voice of the unheard, right? right They'll right. never talk about him saying that he was tired of of marching, right? They never talk talk about him saying that he's that he wants to be remembered as somebody that fought for poor people, that fought for the rights of the oppressed, right? That not that he won a Nobel Peace Prize or that he has all these honorary degrees or where he went to college. He wants to be remembered that he was for the people and he did all he could to fight for the people, right? Right. So it's again, it, it goes by back to with, with sports. We can't. I don't think this is the proper time to have sporting events. One because I think it's pretty dangerous to have it, even though yeah, they got no, the it is definitely. Of, Dr. Fauci, I still think <laughs> that you, you see players getting the Russell Westbrook has coronavirus. I don't yeah. know about James, James Harden may have it. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you quarantine and play? We don't, we still don't know the effects of what if you had it. Yeah, that's a whole question. You, right. We don't know the effects of can you get it again? We don't know the effects. We don't know um the effects of when you had it. Could you give it to someone else? Yeah. Still, could could it affect somebody else's like health, right. we don't know right. about that. So again, that goes back to the article that we you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that I shared about Black Lives Don't Matter in the NBA. They're taking, they're putting pretty much push saying, go entertain, go dance for us, go dribble a basketball yeah. so exactly. we can have some enjoyment while we sit at home protected, right? Protected, yeah. It, while everybody else is that risk. Going out. Right. And while the owners are getting paid. That, it's, it's, the and, same, and, it's the same narrative, it's a different story though. It's a different, different situation. Yeah. And the other thing you have to look at too is how now they're also using things like uh, people like, if I was in the NBA, I would not be complaining about this. I would go and just I'm getting like, so I'm getting so much up. money, all this. Right? I'm getting so much money. Yeah. It's a it's again they're using the same thing, just different day. They I, I saw even I was just, Myers Leonard, I think, from Miami Heat. Yeah. He said my brother went on tour to Afghanistan for nine months. And he's sick of seeing ba- other basketball players complain about their conditions. It's tone deaf. Again, Pete, my favorite. I love Jay Williams. I went to multiple of his camps. He he said that it's tone deaf for basketball players to be complaining about conditions. I'm saying, it's when when you look at the situation. It's not just the food. It goes past the food. It goes yeah. past just being by in a room by themselves. You don't know the effect. They just threw them out there. Like they, like they were just, it, their lives didn't matter, right? Yeah. Don't matter, and we don't know the full effects, right? Let's let's talk about the real issue. The NBA is tone deaf for having 
these games plays. MLB is tone deaf for trying to have his games, even if it's in the bubble, especially during the times that we're in, where we see we're dealing with two pandemics. That's tone deaf. That's the real reason why I think a lot of these players are complaining. It's not just about the food conditions, but it's that they're coming down to risk their lives to play basketball. Yeah. We couldn't do something better than that. Come on. No, absolutely. well, I, I was I'm a huge basketball fan, yeah. right? And I've been enjoying studying the game even more, watching historic clips, watch, yeah. watching full games back right. that I've watched before, reliving, you know, the the Ray Allen three, the Chris Bosh rebound, the Ray oh, Allen yeah. three in the corners, things yeah. like that. I I enjoy watching. I could I could have gone a couple more months without basketball, right? right? Yeah, because. Look, it comes down to the pocketbooks. It comes down to the pocketbooks, as you That's mentioned earlier. Which, again, if it comes down to the pocketbooks, guess what? what guess who? So, guess who's right? Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Kyrie Irving says that the greatest impact we could have is by sitting out because it comes down to the pocketbooks. And the and it, it is sad to see that, again, we can't say that sports is a unifier, right? Because we we always talk about how you know we love to see our players fade. We compete, but mm-hmm. we never talk about. Let's for example, let me give you a couple examples. First, I I would give you a example with my grandfather. My grandfather was a football coach, a wrestling coach, and uh-huh. a track and field coach. Okay. He always told me stories about when he was wrestling, and he has all these different um trophies, um individual trophies with his players like winning um and and, and team trophies, right? But it, when he was going to wrestle, when he they would wrestle white schools, they would when they were going traveling to white districts. When they got off the bus, they were called the N word. They were got, getting called monkeys up in Connecticut, right? Mm-hmm. They were getting called all these things. When they were inside the gym, they were harassed. They were yeah. they were continually being called these different things, and the people were like, oh, that's a long time ago. That was in the eighties, right? <laughs> and, and, and not that long so, ago. It's not that long ago, right? And you being so you being called these different things, right? That's how's that a unifier, right? Yeah. Because we all came to one gym, but we're in we're in such a divisive gym already. Now let me fast forward to today. You look at what happened in Utah with Russell Westbrook. Yeah, man. Fans and, saying things and, about and, it. And and Boston with baseball with Boston uh, who, with who, baseball. Who, who Boston I forgot with the player, but yeah, same thing. Even with the Patriots, for example, or the Boston Celtics. Look at Bill Russell. Bill Russell said he was called the N-word all the time yeah. and harassed when he was playing basketball, right? right. When, where's the unifier in this, right? It's, it's that black players have always turned the cheek and said that they love the game, they love everything else, and they, they never really address this kind of part, or white people never listen to this. But when you look at the behavior of the fans, when you look at the malice in the palace and you see popcorn and bottles, they're the reason they're the reason why we don't have the like real bottles and, and stuff like that, beer bottles and stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to pour it in a glass. I mean, in a um, yeah, plastic, so it can protect the players because they were throwing yeah. all this stuff at black players. You see the setup of these different things. You go, yeah, history doesn't lie. Right, history doesn't lie. And you, you look at LeBron James, for example, his house was vandalized yeah. with the N-word. It was it's like, like two years ago, too. Two years ago. So you, the, this, the, this unifier of 
sports is a unifier and it unites us. It, I miss me with that because <laughs> we it never has been a unifier. It always has been like America is, and it's divisive. It it also separates people. It they can't. Why can't we just have it like okay, the Lakers are playing the the Utah Jazz, and I'll go for my sports team without mentioning all these different things. It's because we're in a society that doesn't allow that. When these players walk out, if you didn't know that they were a basketball player, like let's say they were average height and they had the same face and you didn't know, um, excuse me, you didn't know, like let's say LeBron James is 5'10 and he was in the NBA. You yeah. would say that LeBron James is black. You wouldn't know him as anything else, right? Right, exactly. So that, that's just America. These are the black players playing to entertain us and we go to these games yelling and screaming with no back in the day, but no repercussions. Now, at least there's some type of individual repercussions, but a lot is still being to, um, issued as just fans talking and trash talk. It's not really um, racial when in all reality it is. Yeah, no. It, whatever they can find a, a, a mask, whatever, whatever it may be to be able to mask that like racism, as you said, they will. And uh, lots, of, lots of good points, man. We've been, we've been running kind of deep on this one. Hey. Is there anything else, any tiny little thing you want to cover real you know, quick? I, I just want to bring up this article that I, I was looking up. It's on the history.com. And, you know, they shared, they shared about how, like, America has dealt with this type of times. Because mm-hmm. people say, I, I hate the, the term, the, the language when people say, I never seen this before. Like, yeah. this is not who we are, yeah, right? Right, right, right. And then you, you look at it, and, and it was the 1918 flu, right? Yeah. where people were dying like this. It was a pandemic. It was a health pandemic. And back then, they were dealing with two pandemics. They were dealing with the the flu, and they were dealing with racism. World War One was ending, and black soldiers were coming back to America. And when they came back to America, after they survived overseas fighting, they got... Fighting for this country. Fighting for this country. Patriotism, right? Like, you know, yep. Drew Brees likes to mention, right, to stand yeah. for the black of the military. Well, here you got military, black military coming in after they face segregated conditions that Americans put in place across across the globe. They come back to America and they come to um, an a angry mob of white people and a lot of them were lynched because, uh, because of the color of the skin. That's yeah. why. It yeah, wasn't what 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 else is it, right? No. They just fought for your country. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say their country because they sacrificed fighting for it, and then they come home and get killed. Yeah, and then you see all across during the, the during a pandemic where we should be focused on the flu, think um right, we should be focused on this pandemic. You see all across this country, black neighborhoods getting massacred, and a lot of black blood being lost in this country during that during the pandemic mm-hmm. now we fast forward 101 years later and you see the same things happening right you see that while we're dealing with the coronavirus which is um affecting the black and brown community at a higher rate too mm-hmm. let's not forget that the um which i i agree because there's a saying that when black and brown community when the black when a white community gets the um like gets sick, gets a sore throat, the the black community gets the flu, right? 
And so you see with coronavirus, when there's a lot of white people losing their lives off of it and getting it, you see the black and brown community getting it at a higher rate, yeah. right? And not being treated as much, so they're dying right. more more often. Right. And so you you see that we have to deal with that pandemic. And now we have to deal with the racism pandemic yep. of police brutality, of just brutality in general. You look at um Amar Arbery, that wasn't yeah. that was an ex police officer. But uh, he was just jogging. Looking, yeah. He looked at a property that was being renovated or built. And which, again, it's so funny that they say, well, why was he doing that? Right. They always start to question the motive. And they never it's like I see white people do that all the time in my neighborhood. They'll, they'll look at a property that's being renovated and they'll still like to go see like what's happening. Right? right. It's like every people sometimes I don't because I'm not that, that nosy. Like I don't really care like that. <laughs> but. Other yeah. people are nosy and they do look at these yeah. kind of things. Yeah. And it's, it's known behavior, but they question the motive behind it. They question, but then what, yeah. what's so funny is they, they show the footage that shows white people going inside the same house and they weren't killed, right? Obviously, the owners didn't care. It was when this brother went in and they wanted to send a message and try to make a citizen arrest according to them. And they eventually took this brother's life, right? This is the pandemic of racism that we're dealing with in yeah. America. And it, it goes to my last part point that no matter, I love basketball especially, I love sports in general, but this is not the time to, right now it's not the time to be playing uh, when we're dealing with these two fronts. Absolutely, man. You said it, you said it, you said it well, man. So a lot of so, things covered there. Yo, I have a feeling uh, I'm going to have to bring you back on the show. Yo, listen, listen, I would love that. Yo, definitely, I, I would love the invitation <laughs> back. This has been fun, man. Hey. And again, like I said, I really appreciate you putting a light on this yeah. and even discussing things that don't get dis dis discussed like that. And, you know, even we having a, us having a conversation on things that you may agree or if you play a devil's advocate to it, it's important to have these conversations um, and debates about this so we can try to actually move forward together and not like try to do our own separate things or n not move forward at all move backwards exactly no it's, it's it's like we mentioned it's about being aware and and understanding the different perspectives and if we can do that we can talk to each other and then people listening then you know we're going to be able to move forward because if we can understand each other and we understand what's right and what's wrong at some point it's right or wrong and it's not you know anything that's not political some stuff is but uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, man, and we're just listening to each other and we're able to move forward, then uh, it just brings a whole lot of good. So, uh, yeah, so definitely, man, I'm going I'm to have to bring you back on. Maybe talk some, uh, you're a Grizzlies fan, right? So, uh, Oh, I didn't even get to talk about my ja, Grizzlies. Ja, 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 ja Morant. You, you got, uh, you got I didn't even say, I didn't get, well, you know, that's the rookie of the year. What, I've been calling it since I got drafted. I, I, <laughs> I agree, but, I agree. Look, next show, next show, I'll bring you on. We're going to talk about John ja Morant. That's definitely, it. definitely. Right, I got it. We gotta talk about that, man. Awesome. No, we definitely will. Again, man, thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I texted you. You were quick on it. You, you were all about it. So. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love to come on. I had to jump on this. Absolutely, <laughs> man. You no. do a great work, man. Keep up, keep up the good work, bro. I appreciate it, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to you soon, all right? Talk to you soon, bro. Thank you all for listening. If it's your first time here, please subscribe over on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast and check us out over on YouTube at Beyond the Lines. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and tag Will so he knows you're listening and what you enjoyed from this interview. Stay tuned for our next episode coming next Friday at 1 p.m. 
See y'all next time.